CD5 Chapter 10 And, as night fell, Mr. Bunsey remembered, There's something terrible in the dark wood. From Mr. Bunsey Has an Adventure Why am I doing this? Morris asked himself as he squirmed along a pipe. Cats are not built for this stuff. Because we are a kind person at heart, said his conscience. No, I'm not, thought Morris. Actually, that's true, said his conscience. But we don't want to tell that dangerous beans, do you? The little wobbly nose. He thinks we're a hero. Well, I'm not, thought Morris. Then why are we scrabbling around underground to try and find him? Well, obviously, it's because he's the one with the big dream about finding the rat island. Without him, the rats won't cooperate and I won't get paid, said Morris. We're a cat. What does a cat need money for? Because I have a retirement plan, thought Morris. I'm four years old already. Once I've made a pile, it's me for a nice home with a big fire and a nice old lady giving me cream every day. I've got it all worked out, every detail. Why should she give us a home? We're smelly, we've got ragged ears, we've got something nasty and itchy on our leg, we look like someone kicked us in the face. Why should an old lady take us in instead of a fluffy little kitten? Ah, but black cats are lucky, thought Morris. Really? Well, we don't want to be the first with the bad news, but we're not black. We're a sort of mucky tabby. There's such a thing as dyes, thought Morris. A couple of packets of black dye hold my breath for a minute, and it's hello, cream and fish for the rest of my life. Good plan, eh? And what about the luck, said the conscience. Ah, that's the clever bit. A black cat that brings in a gold coin every month or so, wouldn't you say that's a lucky cat to have? His conscience fell silent. Probably amazed at the cleverness of the plan, Morris told himself. He had to admit that he was cleverer at plans than at underground navigation. He wasn't exactly lost, because cats never got lost. He merely didn't know where everything else was. There wasn't a lot of earth under the town, that was certain. Cellars and gratings and pipeways and ancient sewers and crypts and bits of forgotten buildings formed a sort of honeycomb. Even humans could get around down here, Morris thought. The rat-catchers certainly had. He could smell rats everywhere. He'd wondered about calling out to dangerous beans, but decided against it. Calling out might help him find out where the little rat was, but it'd also alert anyone else to where Morris was. Those big rats had been, well, big and nasty-looking. Now he was in a small square tunnel with lead pipes in it. There was even a hiss of escaping steam, and here and there warm water dipped into a gutter that ran along the bottom of the tunnel. Up ahead was a grating leading up to the street. Faint light came through it. The water in the gutter looked clean. At least you could see through it. Morris was thirsty. He leaned down, tongue out. There was a thin, bright red streak curling gently in the water. Ham and Pork seemed confused and half asleep, but he knew enough to hold on to Sardine's tail as the rats made their way back from the stables. It was a slow journey. Sardines didn't think the old rat would manage the washing lines. They skulked along gutters and along drains, hiding in nothing more than the cloak of night. A few rats were milling around in the cellar when they finally arrived. By then, Dark Tan and Sardines were walking on either side of Ham and Pork, who was barely moving his legs. There was still a candle burning in the cellar. 
Dark Tan was surprised, but a lot of things had happened in the last hour. They let Hammond Pork sink to the floor where he lay breathing heavily. His body shook with each breath. Poison, Gov? whispered Sardines. No, I think it was just all too much for him, said Dark Tan. Just too much. Hammond Pork opened one eye. Am I still the leader? he said. Yes, sir, said Dark Tan. I'll need to sleep. Dark Tan looked around the circle. Rats were creeping towards the group. He could see them whispering to one another. They kept staring at him. He tried to spot the pale shape of dangerous beans. Nourishing tells me you saw the tunnel of the big rat, said Hammond Pork. Dark Tan glared at Nourishing, who looked embarrassed. I saw something, yes, he said. Then I shall dream my way there and never wake up, said Hammond Pork. His head sagged again. This isn't the way a, an old rat should die, he mumbled. Not like this. Not in the light. Dark Tan nodded urgently at Sardines, who snuffed out the candle with his hat. The damp, thick, underground darkness closed in. Dark Tan, Hammond Pork whispered. You need to know this. Sardines strained his ears to hear the old leader's last words to Dark Tan. Then a few seconds later he shivered. He could smell the change in the world. There was movement in the darkness. A match burst into life and the candle flame grew again, bringing shadows back into the world. Hammond Pork was lying very still. Do we have to eat him now? said someone. He's gone, said Dark Tan. Somehow, the idea of eating ham and pork didn't feel right. Bury him, he said, and mark the place so we know he's there. There was a sense of relief in the group. However much anyone might have respected ham and pork, he was still a little bit on the whiffy side, even for a rat. But a rat at the front of the crowd looked uncertain. Er, uh, when you say mark the place, it said, do you mean like we mark other places where we bury things? He means by whittling on it, said the rat beside him. Dark Tan looked at sardines, who shrugged. Dark Tan had a sinking feeling inside. When you were the leader, everyone waited to see what you said, and there was still no sign of the white rat. He was on his own. He thought hard for a moment, and then nodded. Yes, he said at last. He'd like that. It's very ratty. But do this, too. Draw it in the dirt above him. He scraped a sign on the ground. It was a simple drawing of a rat, but with outlines of other rats just visible behind it, getting smaller into the distance. And a little drawing of a rat in the big rat's head, where its brain would be. He was a rat from a long line of rats, and he thought about rats, said Sardines. Good one, boss. Will he come back like Dark Tan did? said someone else. If he does, he'll get really mad if we've eaten him, said a voice. There was some nervous laughter. Listen, I didn't, Dark Tan began, but Sardines nudged him. Word in your ear, Gov, he said, raising his charred hat politely. Yeah, yeah, Dark Tan was getting nervous. He'd never had so many rats watching him so closely. He followed Sardines away from the group, which was too nervous to follow them. You know how I used to hang around in the theatre and that? 
said Sardines quietly, "'and you pick up stuff in the theatre, "'and the thing is, look, what I'm saying is, "'you're the leader, right? "'So you got to act like you know what you're doing, okay? "'If the leader doesn't know what he's doing, "'no one else does either.' "'I only know what I'm doing "'when I'm dismantling traps,' said Darktan. "'All right. "'Think of the future as a great big trap,' said Sardines, "'with no cheese. "'That is not a lot of help.' "'And you should let them think what they like about you and that scar you've got,' said Sardines. "'That's my advice, Gov.' "'But I didn't die, Sardines.' "'Are you sure?' "'Huh? "'Something happened, didn't it? "'You were going to set fire to the place with all the humans in it, "'and you decided not to. I watched you. "'Something happened to you in the trap. "'Don't ask me what it was. I just do tap dancing. "'I'm just a little rat. Always will be, boss.' "'But there's big rats like Inbrine and Selby and a bunch of others, boss, "'and now Ham and Pork's dead, and they might think they should be the leader. "'Get my drift? "'Now?' Sardine sighed. "'I reckon you do, boss. "'Do we want a lot of scrapping amongst ourselves at a time like this? "'No.' "'Right. Well, thanks to chatty little nourishing, "'you're the rat that looked the big rat right in the face and came back, aren't you?' "'Yeah, but she... "'Seems to me, boss, that anyone who could stare down the bone rat.' "'Well, no one is going to want to mess with him, am I right? "'A man who wears the teeth marks of the bone rat like a belt? "'Huh? Uh, no. "'People all follow a rat like that. "'Time like this, people need someone to follow. "'That was a good thing you did back there with old ham and pork, "'burying him and whittling on top and putting a sign on him. "'Well, the old rats like that, and so do the young ones. "'Shows them you're thinking for everyone.' "'Sardines.' put his head on one side and grinned a worried grin. "'I can see I'm going to have to watch you, Sardines,' said Darktan. "'You think like Morris. "'Don't worry about me, boss. I'm small. I got a dance. "'I wouldn't be any good at leadering.' "'Thinking for everyone,' Darktan thought, like the white rat. "'Where is Dangerous Beans?' he said, looking around. "'Isn't he here?' "'Haven't seen him, boss. "'What? We need him. He's got the map in his head.' "'Map, boss?' Sardines looked concerned. "'I thought you drew maps in the mud.' "'Not a map like a picture of tunnels and traps, Sardines. "'A map of... of what we are and where we're going.' "'Oh, you mean like that lovely island? "'Never really believed in it, boss.' "'I don't know about any islands,' said Darktan. "'But when I was in that place, I saw the shape of an idea.' "'There's been a war between humans and rats forever. "'It's got to end. "'And here, now, in this place with these rats. "'I can see that it can. "'This might be the only time and the only place where it can. "'I can see the shape of an idea in my head, "'but I can't think of the words for it. "'Do you understand? "'So, we need the white rat, "'because he knows the map for thinking. "'We've got to think our way out of this. "'Running around and squeaking won't work any more.' "'You're doing fine so far, boss,' said the dancer, patting him on the shoulder. "'It's all going wrong,' said Dark Tan, trying to keep his voice down. "'We need him. I need him.' "'I'll get some squads together, boss, if you show me where to start looking,' said Sardines meekly. "'In the drains, not far from the cages,' said Dark Tan. "'Morris was with him,' he added. "'Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Gov?' said Sardines. "'You know what Ham and Pork always said?' You can always trust a cat to be a cat, yeah, I know. I wish I knew the answer to that, Sardines. 
Sardines stepped closer. "'Can I ask a question, Gov?' "'Of course.' "'What was it Ham and Pork whispered to you just before he died? "'Special leader wisdom, was it?' "'Good advice,' said Dark Tan. "'Good advice.' Morris blinked. Very slowly his tongue wound itself back in. He flattened his ears, and, legs moving in silent slow motion, crept along beside the gutter. Right under the grating there was something pale. The red streak was coming from further upstream, and divided in two as it flowed around the thing before becoming one swirling thread again. Morris reached it. It was a rolled-up scrap of paper, sodden with water and stained with red. He extended a claw and fished it out. It flopped on the side of the gutter, and as Morris gently peeled the paper apart, he saw the smudged pictures drawn in thick pencil. He knew what they were. He'd learned them one day when he had nothing better to do. They were stupidly simple. No rat shall, he began. Then there was a damp mess down to the bit that read, We are not like other rats. Oh, no, he said. They wouldn't drop this, would they? Not the rules. Peaches carried it around as though it was a hugely precious thing. Will I find them first? said an alien voice in Morris's head. Or perhaps I have. Morris ran, skidding on the slimy stone as the tunnel turned a corner. What strange things they are, cat! Rats that think they are not rats. Shall I be like you? Shall I act like a cat? Shall I keep one of them alive for a while? Morris yowled under his breath. Other smaller tunnels branched off on either side, but the thin red streak led straight on, and there, under another grating, the shape lay in the water, the red leaking gently from it. Morris sagged. He'd been expecting... what? But this... this was... this was worse, in a way. Worse than anything. Soaked in water, leaking the red ink from Ratty Rupert the Rat's red waistcoat, was Mr Bunsey has an adventure. Morris hooked it out on claw tip, and the cheap paper pages fell out, one by one, and drifted away in the water. They dropped it. Had they been running? Or had they thrown it away? What was it Dangerous Beans had said, where nothing but rats... And he'd said it in such a sad, hollow voice. Where are they now, cat? Can you find them? Which way now? It can see what I see, he thought. It can't read my mind, but it can see what I see and hear what I hear, and it's good at working out what I must be thinking. It sees what I see. Once again he shut his eyes. In the dark, cat, how will you fight my rats, the ones behind you? Morris spun around, eyes wide. There were rats there, dozens of them, some of them nearly half the size of Morris. They watched him, all with the same blank expression. Well done, well done, cat. You see the squeaky creatures, and yet you don't leap. How did a cat learn not to be a cat? The rats 
as one rat, moved forward. They rustled as they moved. Morris took a step backwards. Imagine it, cat, said the voice of Spider. Imagine a million clever rats. Rats that don't run. Rats that fight. Rats that share. One mind, one vision, mine. Where are you? said Morris aloud. You will see me soon. Keep going, pussycat. You have to keep going. One word from me, one mere flicker of a thought, and the rats you see will take you down. Oh, you might kill one or two, but there are always more rats. Always more rats. Morris turned and edged forward. The rats followed. He spun around. They stopped. He turned again, took a couple of steps and looked behind him. The rats followed as if they were on string. There was a familiar smell in the air here of old, stale water. He was somewhere near the flooded cellar, but how close? The stuff stunk worse than tinned cat food. It could be in any direction. He could probably outrun the rats over a short distance. Bloodthirsty rats right behind you can give you wings. "'Are you planning to run to help the white rat?' said his conscience. "'Or are you thinking of making a dash for the daylight?' "'Morris had to admit that the daylight had never seemed a better idea. "'There was no point in lying to himself. "'After all, rats didn't live very long in any case, even if they had wobbly noses. "'They are close, cat. Shall we play a game? Cats like playing. "'Did you play with additives?' "'Before you bit his head off!' "'Morris stopped dead. "'A rat actually bumped into his back legs. "'You are going to die,' he said softly. "'They are getting closer to me, Morris. "'So close now. "'Shall I tell you that the stupid-looking kid "'and the silly-sounding girl are going to die?' Do you know that rats can eat a human alive? Melissa bolted the shed door. Rat kings are deeply mysterious, she said. A rat king is a group of rats with their tails tied together. How? Well, the stories say it just happens. How does it happen? I read somewhere that their tails become stuck together when they're in the nest because of all the muck and then get twisted up as... Uh, rats generally have six or seven babies and they have quite short tails and the parents keep the nests quite clean, said Keith. Have the people who tell these stories ever seen rats? I don't know. Maybe the rats just get crowded together and their tails get twisted up? There's a preserved rat king in a big jar of alcohol in the town museum. A dead one. Or very, very drunk. What do you think? said Melissa. It's ten rats, like a sort of star, with a big knot of tail in the middle. Lots of others have been found too. One had thirty-two rats. There's folklore about them. But that rat catcher said he made one said Keith firmly. He said he did it to get into the guild. Do you know what a masterpiece is? Of course, it's anything really good, 
I mean a real masterpiece, said Keith. I grew up in a big city with guilds everywhere. That's how I know. A masterpiece is something that an apprentice makes at the end of his training to show the senior members of the guild that he deserves to be a master, a full member. You understand? It might be a great symphony or a beautiful piece of carving or a batch of magnificent loaves. His masterpiece. Very interesting. So? So... What sort of masterpiece would you have to make to become a master rat catcher? To show that you could really control rats. Remember the sign over the door? Melissa frowned the frown of someone faced with an inconvenient fact. Anyone could tie a bunch of rat's tails together if they wanted to, she said. I'm sure I could. While they're still alive... "'You'd have to trap them first, and then you've got slippery bits of string that are moving all the time, "'and the other end keeps on biting you. Eight of them. Twenty of them. Thirty-two. Thirty-two angry rats.' "'Melissia looked around at the untidy shed, trying out the idea. "'It works,' she said. "'Yes, it makes almost as good a story.' Probably there were one or two real rat kings. All right, all right, maybe just one. And people heard about this and decided that since there was all this interest, they'd try to make one. Yes, it's just like crop circles. No matter how many aliens own up to making them, there are always a few diehards who believe that humans go out with garden rollers in the middle of the night. I just think that some people like to be cruel, said Keith. How would a rat king hunt? They'd all pull in different directions. Ah, well, some of the stories about rat kings say that they can control other rats, said Melissa, with their minds, sort of. Get them to bring them food and go to different places and so on. You're right. Rat kings can't move around easily, so they learn how to see out of the eyes of other rats and hear what they hear. Just other rats, said Keith. Well, one or two do say that they can do it to people, said Melissa. How? Has it ever happened, really? It couldn't, could it? said Melissa. Yes! Yes, what? said Melissa. I didn't say anything, you just said yes, said Keith. Silly little minds! Sooner or later, there is always a way in. The cat is much better at resisting. You will obey me. Let the rats go. I think we should let the rats go, said Melissa. It's just too cruel having them packed into those cages like that. I was just thinking that, said Keith. And forget about me. I am just a story. Personally, I think rat kings really are just a story said Melissa, walking over to the trap door and raising it. That rat catcher was a stupid little man. He was just babbling. I wonder if we really should let the rats out, Keith mused. They looked pretty hungry. They can't be worse than the rat catchers, can they? said Melissa. Anyway, the piper will be here soon. He'd lead them all into the river or something. Into the river, muttered Keith. That's what he does, yes. Everyone knows that. Oh, yes. But rats can 
Keats began, Obey me, don't think, follow the story. Rats can what? Rats can... Rats can... Keith stammered. I can't remember. Something about rats and rivers. Probably not important. Thick, deep darkness, and somewhere in it, a little voice. I dropped Mr. Bunsey, said Peaches. Good, said Dangerous Beans. It was just a lie. Lies drag us down. You said it was important. It was a lie. Endless, dripping darkness. And I've lost the rules, too. So, Dangerous Bean's voice was bitter, no one bothered with them. That's not true. People tried to, mostly. And they were sorry when they didn't. They were just another story, too. A story about rats who thought they weren't rats. Why are you talking like this? This isn't like you. You saw them run. They ran and squeaked and forgot how to talk. Underneath were just rats. Foul, stinking darkness. Yes, we are, said Peaches. But what are we on top? That's what you used to say. Come on, please. Let's go back. You're not well. It was all so clear to me, Dangerous Beans mumbled. Lie down. You're tired. I've got a few matches left. You know you always feel better when you see a light. Worried in her heart, and feeling lost and a long way from home, Peaches found a wall that was rough enough and dragged a match from her crude bag. The red head flared and crackled. She raised the match as high as she could. There were eyes everywhere. What's the worst part, she thought, her body rigid with fear, that I can see the eyes, or that I'm going to know they're still there when the match goes out? And I've only got two more matches, she mumbled to herself. The eyes withdrew into the shadows noiselessly. How can rats be so still and so silent, she thought. There's something wrong, said Dangerous Beans. Yes. There's something here, he said. I smelled it on that key-key they found in the trap. It's a kind of terror. I can smell it on you. Yes, said Peaches. The match was burning fast. Can you see what we should do? said Dangerous Beans. Yes. The eyes in front were gone, but Peaches could still see them on either side. What can we do? said Dangerous Beans. Peaches swallowed. We could wish we had more matches, she said. And in the darkness behind their eyes a voice said, And so, in your despair, you come at last. To me. Light has a smell. In the dark, damp cellars, the sharp sulphur stink of the match flew like a yellow bird, rising on draughts, plunging through cracks. It was a clean and bitter smell, and it cut through the dull underground reek like a knife. It filled the nostrils of sardines who turned his head. Matches, boss, he said. Head that way, Dark Tan commanded. It's through the room of cages, boss. "'Sardines warned. "'So, remember what happened last time, boss?' "'Dark Tan looked around at his squad. "'It wasn't everything he could have wished for. "'Rats were still trailing back from their hiding places, "'and some rats, good, sensible rats, "'had run into traps and poisons in the panic. "'But he'd picked the best he could. "'There were a few of the experienced older ones, "'like Inbrine and Sardines, "'but most of them were young. 
Maybe that wasn't such a bad thing, he thought. It was older rats who'd panicked most. They hadn't been so used to thinking. OK, he said. Now, we don't know what we're going to do, he began, and caught sight of sardines. The rat was shaking his head slightly. Oh, yes, leaders weren't allowed not to know. He stared at the young, worried faces, thought for a long moment, took a deep breath and started again. There's something new down here, he said, and suddenly he knew what to say. The words came. Something that no one's ever seen before. Something tough. Something strong. The squad was almost cowering, except for Nourishing, who was staring at dark tan with shining eyes. Something fearful. Something new. Something sudden, said Dark Tan, leaning forward. And it's you. All of you. Rats with brains. Rats who can think. Rats who don't turn and run. Rats who aren't afraid of the dark or fire or noises or traps or poisons. Nothing can stop rats like you, right? He remembered something else. You heard about the dark wood in the book. Well, we're in the dark wood now. Oh, yes. There's something else down here. Something terrible. It hides behind your fear. It thinks it can stop you and it's wrong. We're going to find it and drag it out and we're going to make it wish we'd never been born. And if we die, well... And he saw them as one rat stare at the livid wound across his chest. Death ain't so bad. Shall I tell you about the bone rat? Me and the bone rat, we've got a little understanding. He waits for those who break and run, who hide, who falter. But if you stare right into his eyes, he'll give you a nod and pass on. Now he could smell their excitement. In the world behind their eyes, they were the bravest rats there ever was. Now he had to lock that thought there. Without thinking, he touched the wound. It was healing badly, still leaking blood, and there was going to be a huge scar there forever. He brought his hand up, red with his own blood, and the idea came to him right out of his bones. He walked along the rows, touching each rat just above the eyes, leaving a red mark. And afterwards, he said quietly, people will say, they went there and they did it. They came back out of the dark wood, and this is how they know their own. He looked across their heads to sardines who raised his hat. That broke a spell. The rats started to breathe again, but something of the spell was still there, lodged in the gleam of an eye and the twitch of a tail. Ready to die for the clan, sardines, Dark Tan shouted. No, boss, ready to kill. Good, said Dark Tan. Let's go. We love the dark wood. It belongs to us. The smell of light drifted along the tunnels and reached the face of Morris, who sniffed it up. Peaches! She was mad about light. It was more or less all dangerous beans could see. She always carried a few matches. Mad! Creatures that lived in darkness carrying matches. Well, obviously not mad when you thought about it, but even so. The rats behind were pushing him in that direction. I'm being played with, he thought. Batted from paw to paw so Spider can hear me squeak. He heard in his head the voice of Spider. And so in your despair you come at last to me. And heard with his ears, far off and faint, the voice of dangerous beans. Who are you? I am the big rat that lives underground. You are, really? I have thought a lot about you. 
There was a hole in the wall here, and beyond it, the brilliance of a lighted match. Sensing the press of the rats behind him, Morris sidled through. There were big rats everywhere, on the floor, on boxes, clinging to the walls. And in the centre, a circle of lights from one half-burned match, held aloft by a trembling peaches. Dangerous Beans was standing a little in front of her, staring up at a stack of boxes and sacks. Peaches spun around. As she did so, the flame of the match blew wide and flared. The nearest rats jerked away as it did so, bending like a wave. "'Morris?' she said. "'The cat will not move,' said the voice of Spider. Morris tried to, and his paws wouldn't obey him. "'Be still, cat, or shall I command your lungs to stop?' See, little rat, even a cat obeys me. Yes, command, obey, yes, I see you have a power, said Dangerous Beans, tiny in the circle of light. Clever rat, I have heard you talk to the others. You understand the truth. You know that by facing the dark we become strong. You know about the darkness in front of us and the darkness behind the eyes. You know that we cooperate or die. Will you cooperate? Cooperate? said Morris, his nose wrinkled. Like these other rats I smell here, they smell strong and stupid. But the strong survive, said the voice of Spider. They dodge the rat catchers and bite their way out of the cages. And like you, they are called to me. As for their minds, I can think for everyone. I, alas, am not strong, said Dangerous Beans carefully. You have an interesting mind. You too look forward to the domination of rats. Domination, said Dangerous Beans. Do I? You will have worked out that there is a race in this world which steals and kills and spreads disease and despoils what it cannot use, said the voice of Spider. Yes, said Dangerous Beans. That's easy. It's called humanity. Well done. See my fine rats. In a few hours the silly piper will come and play his silly pipe. And yes... My rats will scamper after him out of the town. Do you know how a piper kills rats? No. He leads them to the river. Where are you listening? Where they all drown. But rats are good swimmers, said Dangerous Beans. Yes. Never trust a rat catcher. They will leave themselves work for tomorrow. But humans like to believe stories. They would prefer to believe stories rather than the truth. But we, we are rats. And my rats will swim, believe me. Big rats, different rats, rats who survive, rats with part of my mind in them. And they will spread from town to town, and then there will be destruction such as people cannot imagine. We will pay them back a thousandfold for every trap. 
Humans have tortured and poisoned and killed, and all of that is now given form in me, and there will be revenge. Given form in you, yes, I think I begin to understand, said Dangerous Beans. There was a crackle and flare behind him. Peaches had lit the second match from the dying, flickering flame of the first one. The ring of rats, which had been creeping closer, swayed back again. Two more matches, said Spider. And then, one way or another, little rat, you belong to me. I want to see who I am talking to, said Dangerous Beans firmly. You are blind, little white rat. Through your pink eyes I see only mist. They see more than you think, said Dangerous Beans. And if you are, as you say, the big rat, then show yourself to me. Smelling is believing. There was a scrabbling, and Spider came out of the shadows. It looked to Morris like a bundle of rats. Rats scampering across the boxes, but flowing, as if all the legs were being operated by one creature. As it crawled into the light over the top of a sack, Morris saw that the tails were twisted together in one huge, ugly knot. And each rat was blind. As the voice of Spider thundered in his head, the eight rats reared and tugged at the knot. "'Then tell me the truth, white rat. Do you see me?' Come closer. Yes, you see me in your mist. You see me. Men made me for sport. Tie the rat's tails together and watch them struggle. But I did not struggle. Together we are strong. One mind is as strong as one mind, and two minds are as strong as two minds. But three minds are four minds, and four minds are eight minds. And eight minds are one. One mind stronger than eight. My time is near. The stupid men let rats fight, and the strong survive, and then they fight, and the strongest of the strong survive, and soon the cages will open, and men shall know the meaning of the word plague. See the stupid cat? It wants to leap, but I hold it so easily. No mind can withstand me. Get you? You are interesting. You have a mind like mine that thinks for many rats, not just one rat. We want the same things. We have plans. We want the triumph of rats. Join us. Together we will be strong. There was a long pause. It was, Morris thought, too long. And then, Yes, your offer is interesting, said Dangerous Beans. There was a gasp from Peaches. And Dangerous Beans went on in a small voice. The world is big and dangerous indeed, and we are weak and I am tired. Together we can be strong. Indeed. But what of those who aren't strong, please? The weak are food. That is how it has always been. Ah, said Dangerous Beans, how it has always been. Things are becoming clearer. 
Don't listen to it, Peaches hissed. It's affecting your mind. No, my mind is working perfectly, thank you, said Dangerous Beans, still in the same calm voice. Yes, the proposition is beguiling. And we would rule the rat world together, would we? We would cooperate. And Morris, on the sidelines, thought, Yeah, right. You cooperate. They rule. Surely you can't fall for this. But Dangerous Beans said, Cooperate, yes. And together we could give the humans a war they won't believe. Of course, millions of rats would die. They die anyway. Mm, yes, 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 that is true. And this rat here, said Dangerous Beans, suddenly waving a paw towards one of the big rats that was hypnotised by the flame. Can you tell me what she thinks about this? Spider sounded taken aback. Thinks? Why should it think anything? It is a rat. Ah, said Dangerous Beans, how clear it is now. But it would not work. Would not work? Dangerous Beans raised his head. Because, you see, you just think for many rats, he said. But you don't think of them. Nor are you, for all that you say, the big rat. Every word you utter is a lie. If there is a big rat, and I hope there is, it would not talk of war and death. It would be made of the best we could be, not the worst that we are. No, I will not join you, liar in the dark. I prefer our way. We are silly and weak sometimes, but together we are strong. You have plans for rats? Well, I have dreams for them. Spider reared up, quivering. The voice raged in Morris's mind. Oh, so you think you are a good rat. But a good rat is one that steals most. You think a good rat is a rat in a waistcoat? A little human with fur? Oh, yes, I know about the stupid, stupid book. Traitor. Traitor to rats. Will you feel my pain? Morris did. It was like a blast of red-hot air, leaving his head full of steam. He recognised the sensation. It was how he used to feel before he was changed. It was how he used to feel before he was Morris. He'd just been a cat, a bright cat, but nothing more than a cat. You defy me! Spider screamed at the bowed form of dangerous beans. When I am everything that truly is rat! I am filth and darkness. I am the noise and the floor, the rustling in the walls. I am the thing that undermines and despoils. I am the sum of all that you deny. I am your true self. Will you obey me? Never, said Dangerous Beans. You are nothing but shadows. Feel my pain. Morris was more than a cat he knew. He knew the world was big and complex and involved a lot more than wondering if the next meal was going to be beetles or chicken legs. The world was huge and difficult and full of amazing things and the red-hot flame of that horrible voice was boiling his mind away. The memories were unwinding and whirling into the darkness. All the other little voices, not the horrible voice, but the Morris voices, the ones that nagged at him and argued amongst themselves and told him he was doing wrong or could be better, were getting fainter. 
and still Dangerous Bean stood there, small and wobbly, staring up into the dark. Yes, said Dangerous Beans, I feel the pain. You are nothing but a rat, a little rat, and I am the very soul of ratdom. Admit it, little blind rat, little blind pet rat. Dangerous Beans swayed, and Morris heard him say, I am not so blind that I can't see darkness. Morris sniffed and realised that Dangerous Beans was whittling himself in terror. But the little rat didn't move even so. Oh, yes, whispered the voice of Spider. And you can control the dark, yes? You told a little rat that. You can learn to control the dark. I am a rat, whispered Dangerous Beans, but I am not vermin. Vermin! Once we were just another squeaking thing in the forest, and then humans built barns and pantries full of food. Of course, we took what we could, and so they called us vermin, and they have trapped us and covered us in poison, and somehow out of that wretchedness you have come. But you are no answer. You are just another bad thing humans made. You offer rats nothing except more pain. You just have a power that lets you enter people's minds when they are tired or stupid or upset, and you are in mine now. Yes. Oh, yes. And still I stand here, said Dangerous Beans. Now that I have smelled you, I know you. You have the smell of the bone rat about you. Even though my body is shaking, I can keep a place free from you. I can feel you running around in my head, you see. But all the doors are closed to you now. I can control the shadows inside, which is where all darkness is. I am more than just a rat. If I am not more than a rat, I am nothing at all. The many heads of spider turned this way and that. There wasn't much left of Morris's mind to do any thinking now, but it looked as though the Rat King was trying to reach a conclusion. Its reply came in a roar. Then be nothing! Keith blinked. He had his hand on the latch of one of the rat cages. The rats were watching him, all standing the same way, all watching his fingers. Hundreds of rats. They looked hungry. Did you hear something? said Melissa. Keith lowered his hand very carefully and took a couple of steps back. Why are we letting these out? he said. It was like I'd been dreaming. I don't know, you're the rat boy. But we agreed to let them out. I... it was... I had a feeling that... Rat kings can talk to people, can't they? said Keith. Has it been talking to us? But this is real life, said Melissa. I thought it was an adventure, said Keith. Damn, I forgot, said Melissa. What are they doing? It was almost as if the rats were melting. They were no longer upright, attentive statues. Something like panic was spreading through them again. Then other rats poured out of the walls, running madly across the floor. They were much bigger than the caged ones. One of them bit Keith on the ankle, and he kicked it away. Try to stamp on them, but don't lose your balance, whatever you do, he said. These are not friendly. Tread on them? said Melissa. Yuck! You mean you haven't got anything in your bag to fight rats? This is a rat-catcher's lair. You've got plenty of stuff for pirates and bandits and robbers. 
"'Yes, but there's never been a book about having an adventure in a rat-catcher's hut,' Melissa shouted. "'Ow! One's on my neck! One's on my neck! And there's another one!' She bent down frantically to shake the rats loose and reared up as one leapt at her face. Keith grabbed her hand. "'Don't fall over. They'll go mad if you do. Try to get to the door.' "'They're so fast!' Melissa panted. "'Now there's another one on my hair!' "'Hold still, stupid female!' said a voice in her ear. "'Hold quite still, or I'll gnaw you!' There was a scrabble of claws, a swish, and a rat dropped past her eyes. Then another rat thumped onto her shoulder and slid away. "'Right,' said the voice at the back of her neck. "'Now don't move, don't tread on anyone, and keep out of the way.' "'What was that?' she hissed, as she felt something slide down her skirt. "'I think it was the one they call Big Savings,' said Keith. "'Here comes the clan.' More rats were pouring into the room, but these moved differently. They stayed together and spread out into a line that moved forward slowly. When an enemy rat attacked it, the line would close up over it quickly like a fist, and when it opened again, the rat was dead. Only when the surviving rats smelled the terror of their fellows and tried to escape from the room did the attacking line break, becoming pairs of rats that, with terrible purpose, hunted down one scurrying enemy after another and brought them down with a bite. And then, seconds after it started, the war was over. The squeaking of a few lucky refugees faded in the walls. There was a ragged cheer from the clan rats, the cheer which says, I'm still alive, after all that. Dark Tan, said Keith, what happened to you? Dark Tan reared up and pointed a paw to the door at the other end of the cellar. If you want to help, open that door, he shouted. Move it. Then he darted into a drain with the rest of the squad pouring in after him. One of them... "'tap-danced as he went. "'Chapter 11. "'And there he found Mr. Bunsey, "'tangled in the brambles "'and his blue coat all torn. "'From Mr. Bunsey has an adventure. "'Rat King raged. "'The watching rats clutched at their heads. "'Peaches shrieked and stumbled back, "'the last flaring match flying out of her hand. "'But something of Morris survived that roar, "'that storm of thought.' Some tiny part hid behind some brain cell and cowered as the rest of Morris was blown away. Thoughts peeled back and vanished in the gale. No more talking, no more wondering, no more seeing the world as something out there. Layers of his mind streamed past as the blast stripped away everything that he'd thought of as me, leaving only the brain of a cat. A clever cat, but still just a cat. Nothing but a cat all the way back to the forest and the cave, the tusk and the claw. Just a cat. And you can always trust a cat to be a cat. The cat blinked. It was bewildered and angry. Its ears went flat. Its eyes flashed green. It couldn't think. It didn't think. It was instinct that moved it now, something that operated right down at the level of its roaring blood. It was a cat, and there was a twitching, squeaky thing, and what cats do to twitching, squeaking things is this. They leap. The Rat King fought back. Teeth snapped at the cat. It was tangled in fighting rats, and it yowled as it rolled across the floor. More rats poured in, rats that could kill a dog, but now, just for a few seconds, this cat could have brought down a wolf. It didn't notice the crackling flame as the dropped match set fire to some straw. It ignored the other rats breaking ranks and running. It paid no attention to the thickening smoke. What it wanted to do was kill things. Some dark river deep inside had been dammed up over the months. 
It had spent too much time helpless and fuming, while little squeaky people ran around in front of it. It had longed to leap and bite and kill. It had longed to be a proper cat. And now the cat was out of the bag, and so much ancestral fight and spite and viciousness was flowing through Morris's veins that it sparked off his claws. And as the cat rolled and struggled and bit, a weak little voice right at the back of his tiny brain, cowering out of the way, the last tiny bit of him that was still Morris and not a blood-crazed maniac, said, "'Now, bite here!' Teeth and claws closed on a lump made of eight knotted tails and tore it apart. The tiny part of what had once been the me of Morris heard a thought shoot past. No! And then it died away, and the room was full of rats. Just rats. Nothing more than rats. Fighting to get out of the way of a furious, spitting, snarling, bloodthirsty cat catching up on catsness. It clawed and bit and ripped and pounced and turned to see a small white rat that had not moved throughout the whole fight. It brought its claws down. Dangerous beans screamed, Morris! The door rattled and rattled again as Keith's boot hit the lock for the second time. On the third blow, the wood split and burst apart. There was a wall of fire at the other end of the cellar. The flames were dark and evil, as much thick smoke as fire. The clan were scrambling in through the grating and spreading out on either side, staring at the flames. "'Oh, no! Come on, there's buckets next door,' said Keith. "'But,' Melissa began, "'we've got to do it quickly. This is a big people job.' The flames hissed and popped. Everywhere, on fire or lying in the floor, beyond the flames were dead rats. Sometimes there were only bits of dead rats. "'What happened here?' said Dark Tan. "'Looks like a war gov,' said Sardine, sniffing the bodies. "'Can we get round it?' Too hot, boss. Sorry, but we... Isn't that Peaches? She was sprawled close to the flames, mumbling to herself and covered in mud. Dark Tan crouched down. She opened her eyes blearily. Are you all right, Peaches? What's happened to Dangerous Beans? Sardines wordlessly tapped him on the shoulder and pointed. Coming through the fire, a shadow. It padded slowly between walls of flame. For a moment, the waving air made it look huge, like some monster emerging from a cave, and then it became just a cat. Smoke poured off its fur. What wasn't smoking was caked with mud. One eye was shut. The cat was leaving a trail of blood, and every few footsteps it sagged a little. It had a small bundle of white fur in its mouth. It reached dark tan and continued past without a glance. It was growling all the time under its breath. "'Is that Morris?' said Sardines. "'That's dangerous beans he's carrying,' shouted Darktan. "'Stop that cat!' But Morris had stopped by himself, turned, lay down with his paws in front of him, and looked blearily at the rats. Then he gently dropped the bundle on the floor. He prodded it once or twice to see if it would move. He blinked slowly when it didn't move. He looked puzzled, in a kind of slow-motion way. He opened his mouth to yawn and smoke came out. Then he put his head down and died. The world seemed to Morris to be full of the ghost light you got before dawn, when it was just bright enough to see things but not bright enough to see colours. He sat up and washed himself. There were rats and humans running around very, very slowly. Somehow they didn't concern him much. Whatever it was they thought they had to be doing, they were doing it. Other people were rushing about in a silent, ghostly way, and Morris was not. This seemed a pretty good arrangement. And his eye didn't hurt. 
and his skin wasn't painful, and his paws weren't torn, which was a big improvement on matters as they stood recently. Now he came to think about it, he wasn't quite sure what had happened recently. Something wretchedly bad, obviously. There was something Morris-shaped lying beside him, like a three-dimensional shadow. He stared at it, and then turned when in this soundless ghost world he heard a noise. There was movement near the wall. A small figure was striding across the floor towards a small lump that was dangerous beans. It was rat-sized, but it was much more solid than the rest of the rats, and unlike any rat he'd seen before, it wore a black robe. A rat in clothes, he thought. But this one did not belong in a Mr. Bunsey book. Just poking out from the hood of the robe was the bony nose of a rat's skull, and it was carrying a tiny scythe over its shoulder. The other rats and the humans, who were drifting back and forth with buckets, paid it no attention. Some of them walked right through it. The rat and Morris seemed to be in a separate world of their own. It's the bone rat, thought Morris. It's the grim squeaker. He's come for dangerous beans. After all I've been through, that is not happening. He sprang into the air and landed on the bone rat. The little scythe skidded across the floor. OK, mister, let's hear you talk, Morris began. Squeak! Er, uh, said Morris, as the horrible awareness of what he'd done caught up with him. A hand grabbed him by the back of the neck and lifted him up, higher and higher, and then turned him around. Morris stopped struggling immediately. He was being held by another figure, much taller, human size, but with the same style of black robe, a much bigger scythe, and a definite lack of skin around the face. Strictly speaking, there was a considerable lack of face about the face, too. It was just bone. "'Desist from attacking my associate, Morris,' said Death. "'Yes, sir, Mr. Deathrow. At once, sir,' said Morris quickly. "'No problem, sir.' "'I haven't seen you lately, Morris.' "'No, sir,' said Morris, relaxing slightly. "'Been very careful, sir, looking both ways when I cross the street and everything, sir.' "'And how many do you have left now?' Six, sir. Six. Six out of nine. Very definitely. Very definitely six lives, sir. Death looked surprised. But you were run over by a cart only last month, weren't you? That, sir, barely grazed me, sir. Got away with hardly a scratch, sir. Exactly. Oh. That makes five lives, Morris. Up until today's adventure. Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. Morris swallowed. Oh, well, might as well try. So let's say I am left with three, right? Three? I was only going to take one. You can't lose more than one life at a time, even if you're a cat. That leaves you four, Morris. And I say take two, sir, said Morris urgently. Two, and call it quits. Death and Morris looked down at the faint, shadowy outline of dangerous beans. Some other rats were standing around him now, picking him up. "'Are you sure?' said Death. "'After all, he is a rat.' "'Yes, sir. That's where it all gets complicated, sir.' "'You can't explain?' "'Yes, sir. Don't know why, sir. Maybe I just don't want to see it all wasted. Everything's been a bit odd lately, sir.' "'That is very uncat-like of you, Morris. I'm amazed.' "'I'm pretty shocked, too, sir. I just hope no one finds out, sir.' Death lowered Morris to the floor next to his body. "'You leave me little choice. The sum is correct, even though it is amazing. 
We came for two, and two we will take. The balance is preserved. Can I ask a question, sir? said Morris, as death turned to go. You may not get an answer. I suppose there isn't a big cat in the sky, is there? I'm surprised at you, Morris. Of course there are no cat gods. That would be too much like work. Morris nodded. One good thing about being a cat, apart from the extra lives, was that the theology was a lot simpler. I won't remember all this, will I, sir? He said. It'll be just too embarrassing. Of course not, Morris. Morris? Colours returned to the world, and Keith was stroking him. Every bit of Morris stung or ached. How could fur ache? And his paws screamed at him, and one eye felt like a lump of ice, and his lungs were full of fire. We thought you were dead, said Keith. Melissa was going to bury you at the bottom of her garden. She says she's already got a black veil. What, in her adventuring bag? Certainly, said Melissa. Supposing we'd ended up on a raft in a river full of flesh-eating... Yeah, yeah, right, thanks, growled Morris. The air stank of burnt wood and dirty steam. Are you all right? said Keith, still looking worried. You're a real black cat now. Ha, ha, yes, ha, ha, said Morris gloomily. He pushed himself up painfully. The little rat okay? he said, trying to look round. He was out, just like you, but when they tried to move him he coughed up a lot of muck. He's not well, but he's getting better. All's well that ends, Morris began and then winced. I can't turn my head very well, he said. You're covered in rat bites, that's why. What's my tail like? said Morris. Oh, fine. It's uh, nearly all there. Oh, well. All's well that ends well, then. Adventure over. Time for tea and buns, just like the girl says. No, said Keith. There's still the piper. Can't they just give him a dollar for his trouble and tell him to go away? Not the rat piper, said Keith. You don't say that sort of thing to the rat piper. Nasty piece of work, is he? I don't know. He sounds like it. But we've got a plan. Morris growled. You've got a plan, he said. You made it up? Me and Dark Tan and Melissa. Tell me your wonderful plan, sighed Morris. We are going to keep the key keys caged up and no rats will come out to follow the piper. That way he'll look pretty silly, eh? said Melissa. That's it? That's your plan? You don't think it'll work, said Keith. Melissa says he'll be so embarrassed he'll leave. You don't know anything about people, do you? sighed Morris. What? I'm a person, said Melissa. So? Cats know about people. We have to. No one else can open cupboards. Look, even the Rat King had a better plan than that. A good plan isn't one where someone wins. It's where nobody thinks they've lost. Understand? This is what you have to do. No, it wouldn't work. We need a lot of cotton wool. Melissa swung her bag around with a look of triumph. As a matter of fact, she said, I'd worked out that if I was ever taken prisoner in a giant underwater mechanical squid and needed to block up... You're going to say you've got a lot of cotton wool, haven't you? said Morris flatly. Yes! It was silly of me to worry, wasn't it? said Morris. Dark Tan stuck his sword in the mud. The senior rats gathered round him, but seniority had changed. Among the older rats were younger ones, each one with a dirty red mark on his head, and they were pushing to the front. All of them were chattering. He could smell the relief that came when the bone rat had gone past and had not turned aside. Silence! he yelled. 
It struck like a gong. Every red eye turned to him. He felt tired, he couldn't breathe properly, and he was streaked with soot and blood. Some of the blood wasn't his. "'It's not over,' he said. "'But we just... "'It's not over!' Dark Tan looked around the circle. "'We didn't get all of those big rats, the real fighters,' he panted. "'In brine, take twenty rats and go back and help guard the nests. "'Big savings and the old females are back there, "'and they'll tear any attacker in half, but I want to be certain.' For a moment, Inbrine glared at Dark Tan. "'I don't see why you,' he began. "'Do it!' Inbrine crouched hurriedly, waved at the rats behind him and scudded away. Dark Tan looked at the others. As his gaze passed across them, some of them leaned back as if it was a flame. "'We'll form into squads,' he said. "'All of the clan that we can spare from guarding will form into squads. At least one trap disposal rat in each squad. Take fire with you.' And some of the younger rats will be runners, so you can keep in touch. Don't go near the cages. Those poor creatures can wait. But you'll work through all these tunnels, all these tunnels, and these holes, and all these corners. And if you meet a strange rat and it cowers, then take it prisoner. Drag it to the cages. But if it tries to fight, and the big ones will try to fight, because that's all they know, then you will kill it. Burn it or bite it. Kill it dead. Do you hear me? There was a murmur of agreement. I said, do you hear me? This time there was a roar. Good. And we'll go on and on until these tunnels are safe from end to end. Then we'll do it again, until these tunnels are ours. Because... Dark Tan grasped his sword, but leaned on it for a moment to catch his breath. And when he spoke next, it was almost in a whisper. Because we're in the heart of the dark wood now, and we've found the dark wood in our hearts. And, for tonight, we are something terrible. He took another breath, and his next words were heard only by the rats closest to him. And we have nowhere else to go. End of CD 5